When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so a refreshingly normal game week, as in not a double game week, uh, comes to an end following Liverpool's failure to make, well, actually what turned into a terrible game week, any less terrible for us uh, Salah captainers. Uh, apologies if there's any kind of uh, jiggery-pokery of the sound on this podcast. Unfortunately, I and Seb, but mostly me, having annoying internet issues, never use VC people. Uh, there's no Anthony uh, this week. Uh, again, he's in the midst of exams. But for this proper pod, so we're not doing it with 24 hours to spare before the next game week, we're pleased to be joined by Seb Wassel, um, as seen on the Scoutcast, and also brightening up our timeline with hashtag analysis and hashtag insight galore. Find him on Twitter, at Seb Wassel with two L's. Welcome, Seb. Thanks for coming by. Oh, thank you so very much for having me. And uh, I'll take all the hashtags if I get blamed for a little bit of internet. That's fine. I will absolutely take it. It's uh, it's good to be here after <laughs> so long of listening to you. It's really nice to be part of it. It's odd, but lovely. <laughs> well, welcome, Seth, from me. It's great to have you finally on the pod. Uh, we are, of course, who got the assist. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter. You can find Tom at WGTA underscore FPL, myself at WGTA underscore Nick, and the absent stag at FPL stag. And, and we're also on Instagram if you've got an account there. It's WGTA.FPL. Uh, so, yeah, on the pod today, it's going to be a blank game week focus. We're mainly going to be looking at some of the short term punts uh, for those on free hits or have some free transfers to spare. Um, and we're also going to be looking, I guess, at some of the longer term picks by analysing each team in turn. We've got some listener questions, but it's probably going to be a shorter second half, as most of the questions were understandably about the blank. Uh, correspondence is taking a back seat again just due to time constraints, but it will be back in April when Anthony returns. So we promise Tom hasn't killed it off. Uh, but first up, game week reviews and market forces. So, Seb, as our guest, um, would you like to go first? How's your season going so far? Yeah, I, I mean, okay. I'll say okay, but I don't really have that much of a barometer against everyone else. It seems like an odd season. Some people are doing well, of course they are, because they're either brilliant or this season suits them. Some aren't doing well because either they're not very good or variants or a bit of both. I'm 225k, although that'll drop a bit after tonight, with I think about 45 points after everything comes in, which seems okay considering I spent so long at about a million. But obviously, you know, we'd, we'd all rather be a little bit higher than that. But I can only play what's in front of me now. So I'm hoping to win some mini leagues and get towards the top 100k in the last 10 or so weeks. So yeah, 39 so far, although that'll go up to 45 with Captain De Bruyne, Vice-Captain DCL. So he'll take that for six more points. And then I've got a few people coming off the bench, suffered injuries like everyone else. Uh, Bamford was on my bench and injured, but he'll come in for Gundogan and Rafinha will come in as well. 
So should take me up to about 45, I think I make it, which is probably all right. I don't think anyone scored ridiculously this week. Around about 45, 50 seems okay. Wait until you hear what Nick got. It's depressing. It really is. Every <laughs> um, I, I did the same. I got 45 to uh, 39 with six off the bench. Rudiger coming in for Gundogan. Same players, basically. Um, Cancelo, Diaz doing a job. Everyone else blanked, um, basically. And uh, like, kind of like the hope continued. So there's always a logic, isn't there, with leaving your captain until the last day. And you know, this week I thought, you know what, Fernandez, uh, yeah, we know West Ham make it difficult for him to get points. Almost, of course, shit, how's the an assist? Uh, Kane, yeah, well, you know, North London derby. I know, I'm guessing everyone's going to go there after he's done bits against Crystal Palace. So, you know, Salah, he looks good. And the Wolves stats were you know, favourable to him. But mostly I thought, well, people won't captain him. So I did, and I watched with glee on Sunday. Sorry, guys, as uh, Kane and Fernandez both blanked. I thought, yeah, you know, tonight's the night. Mo's going to show up. Nah, he didn't. He blanked. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yet another week of what could have been, and I'm uh, you know down to just uh, just inside the top 400k. So probably about actually given how bunch up we are probably about five ten points off you said but still feels <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a bit depressing i mean i was in the, i was in the millions as well similar chief quite a while had a bit of a bump up but i have kind of stalled outside i think i got to, got 200k or so and then just just couldn't get any further i kept kind of captain's horse that's all it is i've had i've had really similar i think i was i dropped to like 250k probably about eight weeks ago went back up to 400 and now i'm back down again <laughs> which kind of feels like i've not made any ground but i guess at least i've stopped dropping a bit yeah, it's yo-yoing in the mud, isn't it? Yeah. Not not very good. Very, very sticky. Uh, and uh, Nick, man who isn't in the mud as usual, um, I, I heard you got 50 plus or something like that and was still complaining. I got 57 points. So yeah, it's a pretty decent game week up to 80k. I guess my season's been a bit yo-yo-y actually really since game week 11 when I was 89k. So it just feels like I'm going up and down every week as well. But, you know, I can't complain too much to have a score still in the top 100k and, and 57 points are pretty decent. So yeah, it was a bit of a depressing week for the defenders last week. Everyone was on ones, but uh, Stones and Concello are, are the guys that really hauled for me this week. Uh, thanks for Stones' goal, Concello assist, 14 and 12 points uh, between them. But it's nearly a full house with the defenders. Just very unfortunate with the double Aston Villa defence that the last kick of the game for Newcastle uh, meant that they scored a goal. So that meant uh, blanks for so Conte and, and Martinez. Very, very, very painful. But um, Gundogan, he didn't play for City. So that meant I got Rudiger off the bench for a six-pointer, which is very nice. But yeah, the midfield and the attack, very, very blunt. No one really did anything apart from Ollie Watkins picking up an assist, which was, you know, in, in true Ollie uh, Watkins fashion, lost the goal as part of that process. Yeah. But I can't complain too much with 57 points there. Classic Ollie Barnd or Watkins behaviour. Um, okay, excellent, excellent. So, yep, game week to forget. Let's move on to a fantastic looking next get. Oh, wait a minute, no, it's blank. What are people doing ahead of the blank, Nick? I've uh, just had a little glance and there are a couple of interesting transfers being made, aren't there, ahead of the uh, the blank game week to come? Yeah, so Gareth Bale's the most um, transferred in player right now. He's just hit the six figures as we're recording with 100,000 transfers in. Had that quieter game against Arsenal, sub before the 60-minute mark. But I guess there's a little bit of nostalgia there for managers fancying a bit of Gareth Bale. He's actually one player I'm considering myself, just because there's a lack of other options really for this week, to be honest. But, you know, some of the other players that are being targeted are the likes of Lingard and, and Rafinha. We'll, we'll be covering each team in detail a little bit later but both those guys look like very decent picks for this particular week they're both sort of 
emerging as creative forces in their teams. And uh, and then two obvious picks, I guess, for 29, Kane and Dallas. Kane's a very obvious pick. We'll talk about him a little bit later when we cover Spurs and, and Dallas as well. I'm sure you've got some insight on Leeds a little bit later there, Seb. But uh, those are the guys being transferred in. In terms of the sales, it's, it's the injured guys and then players that don't have a game. So Bamford and Son, um, not Mumford and Sons, Bamford and Son are all being heavily sold. Um, and yeah, obviously they both picked up injuries. So there's a little bit of a doubt um, in terms of whether they're going to be playing in the next game and a lot of um, a lot of quandaries that it's generated for managers as well. And one of my favourite things is that 40,000 managers have bought Iheanacho after that hat-trick. Oh, he did three goals. That's, that's, did, more, than one, that's more than one goal. Yeah, exactly. So, so that, that, that's why you bring him in. And 30,000 managers have seen fit for this is the time Riyad Mahrez is coming straight into my team. That, that's what they've said. Wow. I, I, I maintain that Mahrez is a good pick. I agree it's with quite, that. He's one of those, like his points per minute is excellent. And when he actually gets time on the pitch, both in real life and fantasy, yeah, no, I, agree. I, agree in the numbers, I agree with that completely. You but, just don't know um, when it's going to be. But it's definitely not going to be on the blank game week. <laughs> yeah. And as Nick said elsewhere, the likes of Gundogan, Calvert-Lewin and Salah, unsurprisingly, are being sold out. Right. Let's get on to this then. Blank game week in focus. So for this, I guess there's kind of three camps of managers. Uh, the first is those on a free hit. Second is those looking to wildcard in 30 or 31. Obviously, game week 30, a lot of teams who have a, good, who have a game in game week 29 have a good 30. So maybe there's a 31 dead-end thing going on there. But broadly, you know, people are free-hitting and people who are kind of looking to wildcard in 31 and dead-ending. These managers are kind of looking for what we think kind of one or two weeks sort of punteroo sort of things. And on the other side of it, there's people like me trying to weather the storm, you know, maybe looking for players to give return on investment over a longer time frame if you're buying a player for this blank. So you're hoping that, you know, it's not just one a player you're going to buy in vain just to get rid of him on ceremoniously next week. In this one, we're going to be trying to cater for all three. Uh, but first, I suppose, I mean, which camp are we in and how many transfers are we looking to make, guys? Uh, Matt FPL, I think, um, asked the question on most people's lips when it comes to blank game weeks. How many players are we okay with? I mean, Seb, you were saying before we came online that you've got the free hit and we've got a question about that in a little bit. But, I mean, briefly outline, are you looking to make transfers now or are you tempted a little bit by that free hit? So I have the free hit, could use it. I also have two free transfers, so I would burn one of those using the free hit, which is fine. If I decide the pre-hit is better, you know, there's no point just worrying about that transfer. That's fine. So I'm kind of in between at the moment. I guess we'll discuss that a little bit later as we go on and work out options. But I think one thing to highlight on it, you say there, you know, how many players are we okay with? That number's probably gone down in the last couple of days because some really important players that everyone would have said are essential, Bamford, for example, Son, we don't know if they're out, but they possibly are. If they're missing, there isn't necessarily a perfect replacement. So what would you say? Maybe eight or nine was acceptable? That might be seven now. Mm. No, that's a really good point. I mean, well, I own Son, um, but I mean, that's, I think most people do own Son if, if you're an engaged manager. Um, but I dodged him in Bamford. I sold him a couple of weeks ago and I've dodged, but, and he's had, obviously had a couple of blanks and leads have um, kind of fallen off a little bit, as we'll speak about in a little bit. Um, so I've dodged that. I'm in the weather of the storm camp. Um, I've got six players now. I had seven, um, but I had Son injured, of course. Two free transfers, same as you, Seb. And I was, kind of inferred earlier, I'm looking for long-term viability for players. I'll be looking to buy in. So I'm looking to replace Diane, the worst pun ever. I mean, the guy, right? You laugh, you laugh, Seb. But the guy had Brighton, Everton, Newcastle and Crystal Palace, like four must-win relegation six-pointers. The guy's XGI is off the scale. And I thought, He's still you know top. What? He's still top in it's, the last I know, I know, but he just couldn't get the thing in. 
Oh dear. And I'm going to get rid of Son probably and Cancelo, I think. So I've got no value in that guy. Um, so I mean, I'm, I'm looking to get nine players, I think, with a mini wild card. And I guess over the course of time, blank game weeks, they've always been a fairly low scoring affair, haven't they? I mean, barring that Salah versus Watford amazingness um, and obviously Lukaku as well, doing well one year. Uh, normal expectation for me is an average of about 30, 35-ish um, and the top 10 average of about 40. So it's really about I guess I'm hoping you get that player who does bits on the day. It's a bit of a fallow set of fixtures and teams, so I can really understand why you're looking at your free hit and thinking, is it best used here? Hmm, probably not. Um, As I said, you know, I'm looking to do a mini wild card of minus four. Um, I think I know who I'm going to be replacing Son with. That would be Rafinha. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Cancelo, I think that's going to be Veltman. I'm going to be throwing propaganda everyone's way in a little bit. Um, but the striker, I don't really know one. So hopefully some gem from you guys will point me in the right direction. And finally, Nick, what are you thinking for this? I rolled my transfer last week. So I've got two free transfers for this particular game week. Um, I was planning on having up to 10 men with those two free transfers because I was kind of preparing a little bit for this game week for a while so I had eight men lined up um, now with the Son injury Son's probably going to be one of those players that leaves so using those two free transfers I'll probably have nine men in total so as I said I'm looking potentially at Gareth Bale's a sort of replacement for Son I'm also actually on, on the Veltman Volkswagen as well so <laughs> I'm looking at him as a potential defensive asset um, considering selling uh, John Stone's um, development so John Stones is an interesting player because he's been whenever he plays he does excellent he gets you tons of points but with a blank for 29 for City a blank um, in 33 for City plus some sort of weird rotation thing going on with Laporte I, I looked at him thinking actually this guy probably only going to play like two of the next six game weeks so I don't really want to carry a player who's never going to play in my team and, and get someone in like Veltman um, who there are reasons behind this as well, so it's not completely crazy, but that's probably what I'm going to do. But I'm, I'm not looking at hits at this moment in time. I think we've got a question on that as well, but for now, I'm just going to be using free transfers. Okay, no, it certainly makes sense. So two of us, Nick and I, in the kind of a weathering position, and maybe Seb as well, kind of one foot in that camp and one one kind of uh, uh, ace up his sleeve, I suppose, with a free hit if push does come to shove. So let's uh, try to look through these teams then, the teams who are active on this very fallow looking blank game week start off obviously we've got Seb on we've got we've got one for a reason it's to talk about Leeds I mean the question I've got written down for Seb is WTF is going on with them Uh, Andy Martin also asked you know if Bamford injured potentially who is the third Leeds asset behind uh, Rafinha and Dallas I mean I'm sure you have a bit more insight on this Seb but I mean I had a look at the data just in the past just to kind of get a, a kind of an initial view of them and I compared leads uh, from game week 1 to 21 so that's the 3-1 destruction of uh, Leicester um, versus 22 to now on a per game basis and what I found was unsurprisingly a bit of a decline so there's been a bit of a slight downturn in all the numbers if you compare the two time period so gold per game has gone down from 1.8 to 1.2 xg per game 1.6 1.3 xa has stayed the same goal attempts from open play that's gone down a fair bit, 10.8 per game to 8.8. And conversion as well, it's gone down from 12% to 10%. And I guess all that means is that a team like Leeds has kind of, I'm not, I'm not going to say tired, because I know that really upsets Leeds fans. Everybody always oh, looks at me, looks daggers at me. And I mean, the team is producing less, but it's slightly less. It's not drastic. There's definitely 
a slowdown though in terms of conversion you can see it when you watch them too like the wave of white certs is still like a gi wearing flash mob but there seems to be that kind of lack of zip about them so what is it said is it a slump are they tired have teams worked them out obviously there's a bit of a break after this so they can all recover can they be relied on i guess all that managers are thinking to do a job against fulham and sheffield united i am i'm gonna fight that tired narrative until the day i die <laughs> I, w- I would say it's more tactical than tiredness or what have you hey you know, if someone can show me some evidence that it is tiredness, it is fatigue, cool, I will submit. But I've not seen that to date. And I don't think anyone else who's followed Leeds or Bielsa really has in his career. There was one season at um, Athletic, maybe. But other than that, that narrative hasn't kind of stuck. It's just one of those, they run a lot, therefore they must be tired. Oh, their performances are going down. It must be because tired. Those two things sound like they go together, but show me some evidence that actually links them and no one has done so far. So I think what we need to look at really is the tactical side. And I will happily admit I stole this from someone else earlier, but if you look at our XG over the season per match, in the first half, I say first half of the season, say the first chunk that we've had so far, up to the West Brom game, we had an XG of more than one in every single match, apart from Liverpool on the first day of the season. And hey, we all saw that. Both teams just went at it. We scored some brilliant goals that probably weren't quite up to their XG value. And then I think it was Crystal Palace as well, where we had 0.8. And that was a bit of a fluke. You know, Bamford scored a very good goal that was an offside by what a wrist or a sleeve or something. So you could almost say we did create that chance. It just happened to be offside. That was luck. Since that West Brom game, though, where we had an XG of 0.9, we had one versus Tottenham, 0.3 versus Brighton, 0.9 versus Newcastle, 0.9 versus Everton, 0.7 versus Arsenal, and another 0.7 versus Aston Villa. And then just against Chelsea now, 0.4. And to go alongside that as well, we hadn't had less possession against any team in the first half of the season, which includes City, includes Liverpool, includes when we lost to United once. I think we had 50% a couple of times, but never less than that. In the last four matches, we've had less than 50% twice, which is Southampton and Chelsea, where we had only 38%. I think it's a combination of teams, I mean, working us out is always a tough phrase, but it's different watching a team play and actually playing against them. Everyone Mm. pretty much has played us now. We're not that hard to match up against. What Bielsa does is pretty special, pretty unique, but it relies on individuals really pulling off parts of their game. You know, we know we operate the man-marking system. When you come up against a team like Chelsea, who have got N'Golo Kante, you can cover your entire midfield. And someone like Kai Havertz and Mason Mount and friends coming at you, they know that if they can match us up one-on-one individuals, and our possession game in the midfield hasn't been the best. We've seen Dallas in there, Roberts in there, click. We probably need to sign a number eight that can really fill that job, both in terms of pressing and also progressing the ball. I think we're just coming unstuck a little bit in that. You know, maybe some of the momentum from the quality, the surprise of facing us and facing, facing Bielsa has worn off. So rather than it being tiredness, I think a few injuries and being worked out, for want of a better phrase, not quite that. Mm. You know, the tactics not working as well as they were. And we've shifted into potentially a slightly more defensive with that XG going down yeah that XGC over the season I think we were I mean everyone knows captain of player against Leeds yeah, loads yeah, of chances yeah, target in for the, a while wasn't it exactly in the first in the first chunk of the season we were top four top six for XGC in the last six matches we are 12th which I think will surprise a fair few people especially mm. playing you know Chelsea West Ham are decent going forward you know Southampton Aston Villa Wolves in there maybe aren't the best but we've clearly improved. And I think that really shows a shift towards maybe trying just to tighten up a bit, not so much in the traditional sense, but you know, you said you're that, that flood of white shirts coming forward. 
we've maybe lost the ability to do that in the middle a bit with having to basically play Dallas at left back and centre mid. Mm. And so we've possibly looked at people on the counter a bit more and stop opening ourselves up as much. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that I have noticed though, just to move on to the key man as well, that was a really good analysis. I don't think either of us can top that. And um, but move on to the key men or the key man, I think there's really comes to the throw over the last six. And if you've watched Leeds as well, there's this one person who yeah, really gets you on the edge of your seat. That is Rafinha or Rafin XA, as I call him. Fabulous footballer. And sorry, Seb, but he won't be at Leeds for too long. <laughs> one more I mean, season. I just want one more maybe. season. Then you can have I him. mean, I mean, what I love about a player like Rafinha is that he's has a desk in that he's in the upper bracket both shots and chances created so 21 shots over the last six game weeks he's second in the, on the metric behind Kane 13 also shots inside the box means he's a top midfielder and he's had the most chances created as well in that time frame so he's shooting and also creating 21 chances created over the last six a top in the XA charts hence me calling him Rafinha XA and um, so, as I said earlier, I've got one move that's going to be in my mind. That's going to be Son to Rafinha. I think maybe kind of the impetus, you said, changing around the Leeds team has meant that he suddenly has come to the fore as providing that sort of X factor uh, to, to generate uh, att- attacking movements and, and spark things going forward. Uh, Nick, I mean, you've been uh, waiting patiently. What do you think about all of this? I mean, are Leeds players, I mean, I know you've got Dallas, for example. I'm sure you're going to throw some Dallas propaganda our way. But are there any other players that are exercising you, making you excited about them? Well, yeah, I did think that Rafinha and, and Dallas were the obvious picks for this game week. Um, and they've got a really good fixture for this game week. So if you are free hitting, perhaps you would consider a, a third player. Obviously, um, Bamford's a doubt. We don't know for certain at this moment um, in time if he's going to play or not. Um, keep following Ben Dinnery for the latest um, news. But otherwise, um, I did kind of have a think of who, who would be the third person outside the obvious picks. And um, one person I actually thought that's kind of, flown under radar a little bit is, is the goalkeeper Melier. So he he's um he's been really, really good actually. Um it's just Martinez has just caught so many of our eyes all over the course of the season. And Martinez is now 5.4 million and Melier's um only 4.6 million. And uh yeah he's he's had the second most saves out of all goalkeepers this season with 110. Um you know you mentioned Leeds kind of like quite weak. Um, defensively when they've been attacking in a few games, you know, and the higher XGC, but they have picked up quite a few clean sheets over the course of the season as well with nine. And he's certainly um, an up and coming goalkeeper, very talented um, young goalkeeper. So he's one that I thought about perhaps as an option. I I thought about some of the other players that you've got. Alioski, there's a little bit of rotation risk there. I guess sometimes Dallas starts left back, sometimes um, he doesn't, so there's a bit of a gamble, I guess. But 4.3 million, if you're on your free hit, why not take a punt and put someone on the bench if he doesn't play? Um, and then there's the midfielders. So, I mean, Harrison, he was really good in terms of the underlying stats for the first sort of half of the season, but um, subsequently his his minutes have been managed a little bit more. So he's only played uh, more than 60 minutes once in the last four games, which is a little bit concerning. And then you've got Click, and he, he was on penalties, but. Um, he's only 5.2 million, but his last attack and return as well was game week 15, which is a little bit concerning, perhaps, because you obviously want the return. So Rafinha and Dallas are the obvious picks, but mm. if you're looking for a third, a few other characters, perhaps, that have um, at least caught my eye slightly. I would almost argue that you don't necessarily need a third Leeds player. Like I know, obviously, the blank Fulham, you possibly want them just for the two points. If it costs you four, maybe not. I mean, Rafina, as we've mentioned, Dallas. I've got Ailing, which is close enough for me. You know, Luke Ailing. If you had neither, definitely get Dallas. Like, fair enough. He's possibly playing him in the field quite probably. I think Alioski will start left back. But I've had Luke Ailing for a while now. He's a bit cheaper. I'm happy with that. 
in terms of other players, yeah, you're definitely looking at Rafinha. If anything, I'd almost argue that Rafinha being so good is one of the things that's maybe hampered us. When you watch us play, we are really looking for Rafinha all the time now, which includes both not just like trying to score an assist, but even in our build-up. We're looking for him to build up almost for himself, which you know possibly happens when you have an absolutely quality player in a team that's maybe a little bit below. You know, if you're stuck, you look to, for example, yeah. even Hazard you mentioned, you look to that player to get yeah. you out. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's one of the things that oddly has damaged us and you know all our stats have funneled towards him i mean bamford has completely fallen off the xgi in the last few matches yeah he really has so i mean if you don't have bamford and you've got one transfer you want a leeds player your basically only option is rodrigo because he's a he's a striker in fbl he might not start i wonder if roberts will start up front against fulham we will have a midfield of dallas and click click was very very good off the bench mm-hmm. alioski at left back maybe you go with rodrigo but if he doesn't start I don't know if, yeah, that's, if that's some transfers or points wasted. And Roberts is a midfielder, so he might be out of your reach. Yeah, I mean, it's all risky business, isn't it? I, I think, um, as you said, Rafinha is the one that I'm really looking at. And beyond that, yeah, it's, it's, diff- it's difficult, isn't it? Um, I mean, the only other thing with Leeds as well, before we move on, I know we've uh, we, we've got to cover quite a lot here, is that um, after the Sheffield United game game at Thursday, there's a Manchester City, Liverpool, Man United uh, in, in quick succession. Um, so definitely one that you'd be looking at um, and wondering whether the longevity of those picks. But I mean, if it's a player like Rafinha at the centre of everything, and as Seba said, uh, he is the man that everyone's looking for. Even in those games, he could be a player who's worth owning because he could well get involved in the goals. Hmm, who knows? Right, let's move on uh, to Fulham, the Cottagers. So, I mean, they've really turned it on. Remember at the start of the season, they it was target Fulham. Um, between games 1 and 14, they were absolutely terrible. Um, but they really did turn it round. And part of that was sacrificing a lot of the championship stalwarts, replacing them with Premier League quality players like sort of Joe Anderson and also the likes of Ola Aina. And defensive solidity really has come at the expense of attacking numbers, though. They really dried up. So at the start of the season, they were attacking a bit more. 0.9 goals per game um, in the second half of the season so I've cut this up between game, games 1 and 14 and 15 to now um, they've only got 0.6 goals per game but clean sheets have really kind of improved the defensive side of it has gotten a lot better so 0.1 clean sheets per game between games 1 and 14 0.5 uh, between then and now um, so that's very very good still conceding an XG of 1 per game but it's a lot better than it was and they're very much a work the ball into the box sort of team. None of their goals since game week 15 have come from outside the box. Um, but they've had more open play goal attempts um, since the start of the season. Um, the quality of chances still isn't great and goal conversion still only 5%. Uh, but I guess, Nick, I mean, you were someone who was early on the Madger mobile. Was Josh Madger um, just a Sunderland man for you? Or did you think that, you know, those shots in the box, I think you had four, not this week, so you didn't play obviously but the week before. Um, were, were those sorts of metrics the ones that were drawing you uh, his way? When I brought him in, he, he just scored a, a brace um, against Everton. So it was all, all rosy. He hasn't scored since then, unfortunately. But um, it was mainly just for the price point at the time, 5.5 million. Um, new to the Premier League, looked like he was, um, you know, great start to his uh, Premier League career. That just kind of brought me towards him. I mean, in the City game, he didn't start. They fielded no attacker, essentially, with sort of Loftus-Cheek paying down the centre. But, you know, I, I think that was specific for Manchester City and their opponents for that game. And, I, I think, especially considering the lack of other attackers, I think he's going to start the next game. And um, yeah, um, since joining his stats have been pretty good. It's a chance every 36.2 minutes. It's been 14 goal attempts and 11 inside the box. I mean, you know, 
we're, we're looking at the forward options. There's, there's very few out there. And, you know, if you're looking for someone cheap, I think he's certainly a good idea. I think um, just in general, as you said, yeah, the Fulham defence passed all expectations with five clean sheets and seven before that City game. And they have been very impressive defensively with Liverpool and um, Everton getting clean sheets against the likes of those. But I think if you're looking at Fulham, uh, transfers for Fulham players, you have to bear in mind that they do have a blank in 33 as well. So that's a negative in my book. Perhaps um, I wouldn't really be considering them for transfers. I'd, I'd probably say they're, they're more fillers on a free hit if you are free hitting this week. Like you say, free hit is probably you want to fill those gaps. If it's looking longer term, there's possibly only really a couple of options. You probably want to be able to bench them. So Ariola as a 4.5 backup goalkeeper to everyone's favourite Martinez, or maybe the Melier pick that you shouted out, you could rotate those two. Maybe Lookman, we know he's done stuff in the past, has decent underlying stats to back it up. Would you want to bench him maybe at 5.1? Possibly. There's some okay fixtures in the short term with Leeds at home, obviously in the blank, Villa away, Wolves at home, Arsenal away. Nothing too special. Then you say you've got the blank in 33 and then it's probably mixed throughout the rest of the season. So if I did pick a Fulham player not on free hit, I think I'd just want to know I could put them on the bench and not worry about it. Yeah, I mean, I've got um, Ariola, and um, I mean... It's actually a bit annoying, actually, because it was, it was very good on the um, on the double game week. That was great when I had the bench boost. But now I've got kind of him versus Emmy in the situation where I kind of think, okay, do I double down? Everyone's going to be have loads of these players. I'm probably going to buy Rafinha. So I've probably got him to score, don't I? And Ariel not to get a clean sheet. Um, Ariel has done very, very well, actually, this year. Uh, six for saves overall. And he's second for actually prevented over the course of the campaign. 5.4. Um, Emmy at 5.6. Just ahead of him. But everybody's got Emmy. So if there is a you know an absolute top-door performance against uh, Spurs, then that could be very, very painful to have not played him. And, you know, frankly, I think it's just one of those things where I don't like rotating the keepers. Maybe I look at Ariel and just think, yeah, whatever. One player who, if you were really interested in Fulham, I'd... I think there's, uh, I think Seb's covered Lookman, who's probably one of the better attacking kind of option. And um, at the back is Tozin Adarabio. Um, he was the one who got away on my, on my wild card. I went for his Nigerian teammate, um, Aina, uh, in a kind of you know, one minute deadline decision. Um, but this guy is a 90 minute man, Adarabio. He's averaging one shot per game and he's slightly edging out his teammate, Joe Anderson. Uh, both of them look okay. Fence is kind of solidified a lot for Fulham, as, as has been mentioned. And it's just slim pickings for Fulham, I think. Um, and the fact is, them not having a 33 kind of makes them a lot less attractive to be buying in now. Um, but one team that does have a 33 also fulfilling the kind of uh, bench fodder sort of role is Brighton, the all-fart, no-poo impresarios. Although they pooed a lot this weekend, didn't they? They beat Southampton. Wow, amazing. The last six game weeks, have seen a real kind of per-game improvement from them. Um, they've they've created a lot more. Um, there's a big chance every 47 minutes now compared to over the course of the season before that, um, you know, 53 minutes. Um, they've had lots more open play goal attempts. Their conversion has actually fallen um, over over the last few weeks they need somebody it's no big surprise with Bryson to finish off the chances they create but going forward there does seem to have been some impetus attached to their play um, and I think this all comes down to one man and I'm going to just wax lyrical about my guy here who's who's Almost definitely coming for me. I'm, I'm not sure yet. I've been throwing propaganda everywhere this week. Hashtag Veltman Twitter. Joel Veltman. So this guy, he's 4.3 million. And there's new car swap next. So surely he's going to get a clean sheet. But more impressively, over the last six, he's actually had the most shots and the second most shots in the box of all defenders. He's also second for XG behind Liam Cooper, who famously can't score a header. He's also in the top 10 for XA. So... 
you've got kind of this one of these defenders who's kind of doing the job in terms of you know, multiple routes to points. And what I really like about Bryson and Veltman is that they've got Newcastle in 29 and in 33, that other blank, they've got Sheffield United. So perfect for a cheap player like Veltman to come in and do a job for you on that sort of that game week. There's Lewis Dunk as well, of course, who's always a threat at corners. Um, but no, I really like Veltman at 4.3. Recently, his data has been off the charts. Lamptey's out for the season. This guy, I really think, is kind of a latter day or a late in the day Matt D kind of character, I suppose. Uh, I find it. Uh, I just think he could be a really interesting one. Obviously, he's going to blank now completely, but yeah, I think I will be buying him just as well to have some interest on in that Newcastle uh, Brighton game. Who knows? And um, what do you guys think about Brighton? I mean, I'm sure they've they've got the best fixtures. So I'm guessing free hits are going to be all over them. Are there any other players here of interest? I really like Brighton, and I need them to stay up and do well. Although, or stats and XG will lose all credibility forever. Because they are, the last six matches, they are second behind Chelsea for XGC. And then they are third behind Man City and Arsenal for XG. And then over the season, you mentioned they'd improve, but it's still been good over the season. For XGC, they are third behind Chelsea and City. And then for XG, I believe they are, is it sixth, seventh, something like that? So just going on expected numbers, this is a European-placed club now we know of course they need the players to convert that it's not quite that simple but they probably shouldn't be a couple of points above the drop zone over christmas i gambled i say gambled made an educated guess on on the man i'd like to mention here which is their goalkeeper sanchez when matt ryan well when the first half of the season their xgc numbers were still good but they were conceding a lot matt ryan was bottom of the table for xgc prevented and then post shots on target as well suggesting he was possibly the problem when it was clear he was dropped and Sanchez was brought in, I made that move real quick. Didn't have Martinez and we know how that went. They still didn't keep clean sheets. Martinez did and I dropped down the rankings. But they have started keeping clean sheets and Sanchez also brings in those saves. So a bit like Ariola, I guess, if you need a second goalkeeper to stick on the bench, use this week. I really like the look of Sanchez. And I won't go on about Veltman or someone else too much more because I think you've covered that. But I think there's something there. And like you say, they have the opportunity to be used again in 33 the fixtures outside of that aren't great. So if you're going to be leaning them on, on them more often than a few fixtures here and there, maybe you would avoid. What about you, Nick? The Brighton uh, the Brighton train as well. So yeah, I'm actually getting in Veltman, I think. And it's just it's just mainly as well the way the fixtures have landed. So, you know, for 29, he's got Newcastle at home. He's going to be facing the likes of Joe Linton potentially. You know, there should be a clean sheet there. And then in 33, another blank, he's got Sheffield United. So that's another massive chance of a clean sheet there because Sheffield United very poor uh, going forward this season. So it just fits in really nicely just to sit in there, probably as my 14th or 15th man for the rest of the season. Only 4.3 million never has to play apart from in these blank game weeks where he's got perfect fixtures. So so that kind of works out brilliantly. As you said as well, the, the stats um, defensively for Brighton have been incredible. Just looking at some of the sort of the main main metrics for shots conceded over the course of the season for instance they're third only behind um, Liverpool Manchester City for shots on target they've only conceded 90 shots on target and um, Manchester City are first with 70 but Bryson are third with that metric by contrast likes of West Brom have um, conceded 170 shots on target so nearly double that so there's there's a big chance of um further clean sheets there hopefully especially in those two key fixtures where I'm going to be targeting a Brighton defence so I think uh, Veltman's the one that I'm Looking at here, he's yet to register an attack and return over the course of the season, but the numbers, as Tom said, are quite promising from from recent weeks. Um, so yeah, I think um, 
uh, Veltman for me. I, I don't know about the attack, really. I, I think you were looking at no. Welbeck as well, weren't you, Tom, as an option? <laughs> that, was more of a, that was more of a kind of like fully giving myself over the luck option. I think him, the likes of Trossard, um, former talisman hero, Gross, there's very little in the data to infuse me over the short term. It's one of those things where you're really sort of going digging into the dregs of the data to try to find something which is commendable. And um, no, these guys are definitively punts, definitively things you would be buying in on a free hit. I mean, you know, that guy, for example, may be somebody that you'd want to buy and just kind of you know, bench after that. We've got a question on this way at the end, but money is one of those things that doesn't really matter anymore. And so maybe he could be one, but. No, looking at the data, there's not very much there. These guys are defensively punts. Speaking of which, Newcastle. Anyone got anything here? Shrug, shrug. Okay, let's move on. I was going to say, Newcastle, the attack, definitely ignore them. Wilson, St. Maximum, best players injured. Uh, the only one, perhaps, to call out is Lascelles for a cheapy, very cheapy in defence, 4.2 million. As you said, the Brighton attack, not particularly amazing. So there's a chance of a clean sheet there. And he has... Scored two goals in three games now, though, worth highlighting that he only scored once in the previous 6,000 minutes of football before that. But Veltman's going to destroy that clean sheet, Nick. No, that's not even better. Right, let's move on to my team, Arsenal. And it's his words I've written here. Um, So over the last six, there's been a slight upswing. So more goals per game, better XG, more frequent frequent goal attempts and improved conversion. So 10% to 30.5% last six compared to the six before. And... In another world, I'd have been all for Aubameyang here, but um, there has been a bit of a ruckus internally, a, dis- a disciplinary for lateness, it sounds like. And James McNicholas in the, in the Athletic also reports that he drove off and didn't participate in the warm down. And he did, he did say it's likely to be okay. There was a positive Instagram post from Aubameyang later on as well. But I'm simply not sure on him slash Arsenal in general for our FPL teams. Our priority is surely now that the Europa League until further notice. And I just don't think I'm going to be able to count on our players at all. I mean, I do have one Arsenal player actually, uh, which is uh, Emil Smith Rowe. I've got him. He's 4.2 million. He is designated bench fodder for the season. Um, but he is being used and I'm hoping he continues to be used. And that price, well, it just means that if he gets one point, that's great value. But in terms of how he's being used, he is the mini Ramsey now. Um, he hit the bar last week. He's vice to link up. He's less withdrawn than Odegaard, actually. And I'd really urge you to look at, I'm not going to read it out here, but look at FB Ref's scout report on him. He's really positively rated and he's in the top percentile of many stats despite his tender age. Adam Pritchard, fellow Arsenal fan, notes he interchanges well in the key attacking sectors. He operates in half spaces and enhances the verticality, he says, of Arsenal's attack. Plus, in regular times, you've got no qualms about benching that guy. Um, but yeah, no Arsenal players really popping in stats over the last six. One thing I did notice was that FPL Review is tipping Tierney to be a great pick over the next six. 21.2 points. They're expected to, expecting him to return over that period. Um, more than this Piliqueta, actually. Um, and I guess over the last 10, he's been smashing in the crosses. Um, he's also been creating a lot of chances he's the poor man's Robertson in a lot of ways but you know outside of him you know Odegaard perhaps uh, FB ref is he averages over 0.23 XGI per game over the time he's been playing a lot I just don't know it, it feels like it's very luck again if you go with an Arsenal player it's a very kind of free hit friendly pick unless you're getting somebody like ESR that you're happy to commit to over the long term but not have to play like someone like Laka could be an okay pickup on free hit for example as non-free hitters won't ever touch a guy like that 
keep a close eye on the on the Europa League as well later on this week. Um, Seb, what do you think about Arsenal? Are there any players who are catching your eye there? It, it does seem like one of those that, that would be promising on paper. We've got a good run, but mm, don't know. I'm surprised you didn't mention Saka. Does he interest you? It's because of the fair, flag. Fair, uh, and fair. I need a player who's going to come in and definitely play. Like If he it doesn't play the UEL, Arteta comes out and says, oh, he's actually okay. Then he's straight on the radar. Although I have ESR, so I'm not yeah. as interested. Um, but yeah, I... I Saka is a great player, as Anthony says every time. He just looks great. He is exceptionally good and plays like someone who's 26. You know, for the side, there was that there was a period of time where he was carrying you like you would expect someone in their prime would cost 50 or 60 million to do. So and I think that does translate to the stats as well. The one thing with Smith Rowe is he often looks like he's brilliant for Arsenal and for a lot of progression stats and how you play. But in terms of actually translating into FBL points, I wonder if he's maybe third, fourth on that list, fifth even. But then, like you say, if you can just bench him, you maybe don't need that all the time. He's, four, he's, he's 4.2. In. I mean, we're, yeah. we're, in a, we're in a world where we're comparing him to the likes of Basuma. I think the guy is, there's an, there's, there's, he can get a random assist. That, that's, that's good. So I, 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 that. I, guess, I guess the question there is then if we're targeting the free hit, that's a bit more of the gamble side. If you're just making a transfer to cover the free hit, but then maybe fill your bench for the coming season, he probably becomes more attractive, right? So I think for me, beyond wanting to look at Saka, but, you know, willing that flag away, his stats over the season are almost identical to Aubameyang in terms of XGI. Aubameyang's been a little bit better in the last six. I think Saka's maybe dropped off when you look at how you're playing as well. Odegaard's come in, taking some of that load. Smith-Rowe's been able to do it as well. There was a lot on Saka beforehand. We also saw him rested for one match, which is obviously going to impact those stats unless you look at them per 90. You've mentioned Tierney, maybe the goalkeeper, although I've mentioned three goalkeepers now. You can't have them all. Leno's probably further down that list than the other couple. So for me, I don't think there's anyone else that jumps out. Yeah, I was just going to say, that, well, Lacazette was the, the main one that I'd called out. It's interesting, Smith-Rowe's actually there. Um, had five assists so far this season, which is the second highest of all the Arsenal players this season. And it's actually William that's number one for Arsenal with seven, but uh, a bit of a mercurial character um, since he's joined <laughs> the club. But Lacazette is actually the one that I was um, looking at. I think in the sort of very viable strikers, he he really is the one to call out here. And he's um, he's hit double figures now, actually, for goals this season. with a goal every 152 minutes. So only Cavani, Iheanacho and Kane have had a better minutes for goal ratio this season as well. And he's also got the, um, for framing purposes, because we love to talk about framing every so often to make a case, but he's got the third best goal conversion rate in the Premier League this season um, of all uh, four forwards um, who have had more than 10 goal attempts with a rate of 28.6%. So that's pretty damn decent. So perhaps another option, not many forwards around, to be honest, they're all a bit crap at the moment, like to Watkins, etc. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Um, maybe an alternative pick, especially for a free hit if you've got some extra cash. But we'll move on swiftly to uh, West Ham now. Likes of Lingard appearing quite heavily on the market forces. Likes of Aaron Cresswell being uh, very attacking. He's, he's been the benefit of their aerial threat because he's been on all the corners. So, like, so you've had the likes of uh, Ogbonna, Suchek, um, Antonio, uh, our good friend uh, Michael Dawson, of course, um, all returning from set pieces this season. And uh, Cresswell subsequently picked up 10 assists and the top scoring defender in FPL right now. So potential option there. But um, other than that, I'm a bit worried about West Ham's fixtures. So I'm not really looking at them. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I, th- I think I'm going to uh, Beate Helgeson ask who, which of the juiciest uh, differentials over the blank. And one man I want to mention 
I know Cresswell is creating a lot of chances and Arsenal are fairly poor at defending set pieces, but who's going to be getting on the end of them? That's right. It's my man, Craig, Mike, in, in inverted commas, Dawson, who I think needs a call out. I'd be, I'd be so tempted to get him in if I didn't think Veltman was a bit of a shoo-in. Over the course of the season, no one except Zuma has more headed attempts per game on average amongst defenders. And he's impressively, actually, ahead on big chances per game um, amongst defenders this season, amongst all defenders, that is. So he's averaging 0.3 big chances per game ahead of near challenges, concerts and stones by some distance. At 4.5 million and longer players of the game who used to own him or at least knew he was there at West Brom will know there was Cooley there so he was probably a little bit further ahead of him Dawson is always that sort of kind of fixture proof goal threat and that's simply perfect for a cheap defender because you can bench him you can play him even if you don't get a clean sheet he's always in the shout of a goal as we saw against the likes of Liverpool Leagues and Crystal Palace over the course of this season um, I mean elsewhere I think over the last six, actually, they've slowed up a little bit, West Ham. They are a top six team elect. Um, but I did notice over the last six, comparing their data, their attempts have dried up a tiny bit. They're creating more kind of um, you know shots on target, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there are fewer attempts. And especially, you know, Mikel Antonio, I owned him, I've owned him the last couple of weeks. He's really fallen off last couple of games where he seems to be utilised as a decoy man rather than to flourish, which is, of course, highly frustrating. But there is Lingard, isn't there, Seb? The guy who's joined third for shots on target over the last six and just outside the top 10 for the XG. But he looks like the key spark in that West Ham team. We've seen that against uh, the previous teams where he's adding something a little bit different that they haven't seen before coming from that position. And it probably helps Antonio as well. I think we're looking maybe for Bamford replacements this week if he is indeed confirmed out. I think Antonio is someone I'll be looking at myself. Relatively obvious now. It feels like it's been a while since he was one of those stats favourites picks. But it's still worth pointing out that he is third overall for the season for Mins per XGI, only just behind Vardy and Ian Acho, of course, for no reason. Um, and he maintains that in the last six as well, despite them maybe not quite having the same numbers. Lingard is up there as well, just outside the top four, which is Rafina, Sterling and Aubameyang and Bruno Fernandes. Lingard is up there and probably putting in performances that I don't think anyone quite expected when he joined West Ham, right? He always had potential, didn't he, Nick? Yeah, plenty of youthful uh, potential there from from Jesse Lingard. Um, we always knew at some point he'd, he'd reach those peaks that we were expecting. So uh, good to see the youngster doing well, finally. Uh, but we'll move on now to, to Spurs. Um, and what our plans are, I guess, obviously with the Son injury, throwing a little bit of a spanner in the works. And yeah, I mean, just as a fan, I think uh, most of their performances this season have been very much sort of Jekyll and Hyde, haven't they? You just... Um, to some uh, brilliant performances where everything's clicked, but others that are just being constipated and just sort of very uh, little uh, attacking impetus. So, but my plan is still, I think, to, to bring in Gareth Bale, and I'm, I'm going to stick with that plan despite the, the lukewarm performance um, at the weekend there um, and the injury blow to Son, of course, as well. I think just in the week where there's sort of a lack of decent attacking options, you saw he's heavily brought in the market forces. I think Bale has started to shine in terms of his re- some of his recent performances. He's, he's proven to be a little bit of a fat track bully, actually, in terms of um, where his performances are coming from and the games he's scoring. So he, he scored against um, scored a brace against Burnley, brace against Crystal Palace, um, goals in Europa League against various teams across Europe, like Wolfsburger, and um, yeah, various other minnows. And I think um, you know, with with Bale, 
Um, I just have to hope, I guess, when they play Aston Villa, that, that we see the flat track bully bail and not the uh, anonymous wishes he was on the golf course bail. So, uh, one to see, one to see what happens there. Not not lots of data to work from because he's not played too much of the season, but um, certainly worth the punt. I think for a little bit of a nostalgia, if anything else. I think um, otherwise with Spurs, it's, it's Harry Kane. He's he's the must own for the game week, probably. Yeah, uh, definitely. The, well, definitely the captain, obvious, um, I think, and probably who we're all going to captain would be interesting when we get to the captains later. But um, just in terms of his stats, he's it's, it's just been brilliant this season. Reminds us of the first year of the pod, really, where he was just absolutely tearing up trees in terms of the underlying stats. And yeah, he's just the 98 goal attempts is the best in all the league with a chance every 23.2 minutes. He's got the third best XG as well. Of all the forwards behind only Bamford and Fardy, but still outperforming XG as well, which is quite important. So that's 2.57 uh, outperforming his XG. And also in terms of the assists, he's added um, those to his game this season, playing that sort of quarterback role very often with those through balls to the likes of Son. And um, he's notched up 13 big chances over the course of the season. So that's uh, third, only De Bruyne and uh, Fernandez have created more big chances this season. So, yeah, I think that's an obvious captain pick there for Harry Kane. Um, I'll quickly mention the defence. I think, you know, the likes of Reguillon, he, he does have a little bit of attacking threat, so 5.5 million. He's not just a four assists, but I did actually look at his chance creation stats quickly in there. He's only created 10. It's, it's worse than the likes of Ampadu, Furlong and Connor Townsend players so perhaps that's um some of the restrictive um way that Marino's sort of managed the club um a little bit in terms of not allowing the, the fullbacks to get forward as, as much as you'd like them to see you'd like to, you'd like to see like really on bombing forward creating loads of crosses creating lots of chances but from the stats it is, it's not really showing so I'm not I'm not too heavily um invested in terms of targeting the dispersed defenders right now yeah no certainly makes sense I wouldn't I just wouldn't um I can see why people are looking at Reggie. I think he is one of those players who obviously carries that sort of potential for that 11 point. So the Robertson-esque sort of, you know, double figure return. You've said all that needs to say really there, Nick. Um, I mean, Kane this season, he is on for the 20 goals, 20 assists. If he can get that, that'd be great. And looking at his individual data as well, his best ever season, 2016-17, 224 points. Right now, he's just 40 off that. Um which sounds doable, doesn't it? Really, that's only a couple more explosions, and he's right there, which is Especially crazy. It, it is. I think a lot of us probably weren't thinking about him earlier in the season. Or oh, absolutely him. not. We were all, we're all, um, you know, ha- Harry Kante, weren't we? And the <laughs> other quick point I want to make on him is that he's currently on eight points per game. Times that by thirty-eight, you get to three zero four. Mo Salah, current record holder for points scored in the season, three zero three. So if you can keep this up, by the end of the season, he could be the record-holding FPL asset ever. Just a quick point I thought I'd... Uh, oh, we we don't know much about Son's injury at this stage, do we? Because I wonder, no, we just no. with him now switching to that creator role, do we think that knocks anything off Kane at all? Does he need to drop deep? Does he lose a couple of chances? Well, I'd like to see sort of Gareth Bale step up to the mark to a certain extent in, in Son's um, absence. He's also got like some Lucas Moura who plays a sort of like a bit more of a, a foil role that you saw Bergwijn playing 
and sort of the first half of the season. So, you know, I, I think certainly Son's injury is is not good for Harry Kane, certainly because um, a lot of his assists and, and, and goals have, have come from um, linking up with Son. A lot of link up play between those two has been incredible in the course of the season. So, a little bit of a concern, of course. I think, yeah, if, if Son's out and obviously the Mellor's suspended as well, maybe we'll see a, a return of Delhi Alley. Who knows? But uh, it's hopefully it doesn't impact um, Kane too much. There is one that I would probably throw into the mix which is Lucas Moore at 6.6. Over the last six games, he's averaged 4.8 per game. And he's actually quite involved. Um, and, you know, there have been seasons past. You know, I remember who can forget that hat-trick against Huddersfield back in the day. Um, he is one of those players who does know where the goal is, can contribute. Um, so over the last couple of years, you know, last year, nine uh, goal involvements, year before, 12 goal involvements. So, I mean, he is kind of due to tick up from the current five that he's on. Uh, he's a very busy player, isn't he? He's one of those players who um, uh, definitely can contribute. It's very kind of hit and miss with him. But at 6.6, he could be one of those players who, I guess, fills in the void for Son. It just depends on how long he's going to be out for. If Son's just out for one game week, forget it. It's just not worth it. If that hamstring in- injury is out for it, it is quite a bad one, then maybe that one to look at. But really, after next game week, they've got two weeks to recover or so. So even if it's a slight one, He's probably going to be okay uh, come the start of April. The only thing I'd say on Lucas Moura is I think it looks like it fits that hole attractively. And yeah, we've seen him return points in the past, but to find him on the XGI, Mins for XGI as well, to account for the fact that he hasn't played for as much recently, I had to control F. He's below La Celso <laughs> in terms of Mins per XGI. Yeah, so if you it? think his role is going to change or something, absolutely fair enough. Maybe that's a hole in my analysis, but I'm cautious on him. Okay, the final team is Villa. So downward spiral, I think, is probably the key thing to say here, the headline. Um, and Jack Grealish has missed 25-28, and there's no denying the huge impact his absence had on Villa. Um, so in terms of attacking metrics, he's you know the big chance com- creation rate has gone down from 2.5 per game to 1.8. Um, this is comparing the last few about Grealish the rest of the season. Goal conversion has gone down from 11.4 to just 5%. So the quality of chance created has just fallen off a cliff. And um, for those with double defence, which seemed like everybody in FPL Twitter on Friday night, um, Concert and Martinez, there have been better goal attempts prevented um, over the last kind of few game weeks. So they have kind of shut up shop and kind of just hope to kind of nick a goal or something like that, as we saw with that Watkins uh, assist. Um, I guess uh, it's one of those ones where actually we're a bit kind of, without Grealish, it's very hard to kind of recommend anybody really, because I think that everybody, most people here are in Martinez. I think the likes of Watkins and Target will probably be in many teams. So it's kind of, uh, I know it's Spurs, so probably you're not going to be looking to buy one of these players. And I know that Watkins is probably going to be one that few were looking at. Um, but the Premier League just this evening released their fixture list. And the biggie here was that the double game week that Ben, ben Credding gave a 60% chance of um, coming up, not knocking Ben. I mean, that he can't really tell at this point because there's so much kind of up in the air. That game, double game week isn't going to happen in game week 30. So it doesn't look like there's much kind of need to buy a Mr. Barndor Watkins. I mean, his data is pretty good. He's top 10 for shots, shots in the box over the last six. And Jack is coming back. So maybe you could be thinking, well, if Jack is back, then maybe he'd be worth it for that Spurs game. But all in all, it doesn't look that good uh, for Villa 
and it kind of feels like don't buy, don't sell to me. I mean, Nick, you're in the same situation as me, aren't you, with Concer and Emmy? You got what? You got Watkins as well, haven't you? I'm, I'm, how are you feeling about him now? Are you kind of looking to get rid now of a? There might be no double game week eventually. I know, obviously, we'll keep him for this week. He'll be out of the team at some point. There is that lingering um, double game week to be announced at some point. Another, so I, I don't know when he's going to go. I think it just depends on who's in form and who's who's playing well. He's probably going to stink out my team for another ten game weeks or so up until the end of the season. We have to see. But yeah, I, I completely agree with your analysis there. For a bit of uh, most of us are, or quite a lot of us, are already tripled up in this team anyway. But I think it's a case of um, don't sell, but that don't buy right now. Uh, what do you think, Seb? I think you've covered it quite nicely. I I probably like Watkins a little more than you do, but maybe that's because he performed well for me in the past. He's one of those great underlying numbers, not quite matching the output, which is frustrating sometimes. He is top of XA for forwards over the last little while, although it's not massively high with 1.27. He's disappeared massively off the XG charts. And I think, as you said, with Grealish, Grealish off the top of my head, I think is second for XA in the entire season, despite being injured for a while now. And even per minute is still up there nicely behind Bruno and uh, De Bruyne and Mane, people like that. But I think that just shows how important he is to Villa. And the fact that he's not there, we know Watkins has created in the past. He's something of an all-round forward, but maybe other players are having to fill in that role and thus there's no one there to finish the chances they're creating, let alone create them as well as Greenwich yeah. does. Well, there we have it, folks. Um, a awfully uh, quick-fire run through um, all of the teams in the blanks. Hopefully that was useful in terms of picking up players who were worth it. It is... You can't put lipstick on a pig. It is quite a fallow set of teams. There's not you know, too much which is standing out um, in the data, as you probably heard and from the eye test, you've heard as well. Comma Congolais asked us, are there any players worth minus four? Epper also asked us to look over kind of uber differentials, like Odegaard, Trossard, Gross, Gale, Madger, Mora, Bowen. These are all players who you are relying on luck to come through for you. It's one of those weirder sort of free hits that, you know, you might get, you know, 60 plus if you are free hitting, you might not. Um, it's one of those where I'm expecting a bit of a low on paper return. But hopefully, you know, you're going to take what we've said and kind of think, yeah, we'll take a punt on that guy. We'll go for it. And hopefully we'll do very, very well. But yeah, hopefully that was useful in terms of going over those teams. Take a break now and we'll go into the probably shorter second half of this pod. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's uh, just a bit of a short second uh, section here, just because obviously we spoke for a fair bit in the first bit. Uh, the first thing to say is the correspondence will return uh, when Anthony's back in April, um, if you want to get involved with that. So send us your kind of addendums, poems, rants, pet theories, whatever. It is who got the sister gmail.com and that section will return. Uh, I haven't killed it, as Nick mentioned earlier. I promise uh, to Anthony as well, who will be listening fervently, I'm sure. I haven't killed Anthony. I'm not going to because I know it'll really upset you. Right, let's look at the mini league, Nick. And uh, just quickly, it looks like the top five have been uh, doing all right, have they? Yeah, there's been a few changes in the mini league since we last spoke. Um, if you haven't joined already, the code is CPSUOF. Um, but yeah, um, a few rises into the top five. We've got Victor Sandberg, who's now in the top five. And, you know, no, no massive scores, I guess, in top five, but he got 52 points, Captain Salah. So, um, um, that's all right, I guess, for this week. Um, Nicola still up there. He's he's in fourth uh, with 51 points. Uh, Bruno captain there. Uh, Sean, Dun- uh, Sean Dunlop, new name to the top five. But um, his team, Chaos Ball, got 56 points. Pretty decent. And um, also captain Bruno. Uh, down to second is Ryan Hobbs with Hobbsy's Heroes. 
uh, Captain Salah there, 51 points. But we've got a new number one, actually, in the mini league, and that's Elliot Worthington. He got 64 points this week with his Obi-Wan Basaka team. So he went for a bit of a differential captain, um, a lot like Stag, actually. Um, he captained Vardy and, and got 64 points in total for this week. So 26 of those coming from uh, Jamie himself. So great shout there. And, uh, you know, just shows just going for differential captain every so often can have a real benefit that upside chasing he's now up to 155th in the world so very very impressive there yeah very good uh, anthony got 63 himself this week uh so yeah as you said uh no, 67 actually you could get a sack off the bench for gunda one uh so yeah just shows how if you do go for the french when we love this it could really pay off same about salary eh? shame about salary not bitter i'm fine let's move on to the questions um and yeah, we've not very many, as I spoke about. And the first one does actually go back to the blank conversation. So there you go. So FPL Rossonieri asks if, with all the injuries to the key men, it's worth for those of the free hit. So just you know, sat this one off. Just say, you know, I've got six, seven players that'll do. Wait until game week 33 uh, when a few play, a few teams don't play cause the League Cup final. And uh, desperately seeking Duzan also kind of says, well, if not doing it then, when are you going to use it? You know, there's an emerging super finale to the end of the season. The FA has allowed clubs to put games back one week so fans can join in. Don't know what that's going to do to the FPL calendar. I suspect that's just going to move everything back one, but there could be a huge double game week. Annoyingly for people who don't have any chips left, who knows? Um, so, Seb, I mean, you said earlier on you've got your free hit and you said you're, you know, you're not too sure. You think you might wait till game week 33. Uh, what's your thinking on that free hit now? I mean, is it even worth doing it in 29 what would you be advising people to do here i mean obviously in terms of advising other people what to do it would depend on their team so i'll speak from you know, where my team is at because i know that i wonder if the best assets or the assets that would have given me the most edge with a free hit are now injured and out i don't have kane so i'd bring kane in but i've got two free transfers so i could do that beyond that i've got son and bell already so you know what's really a good replacement for son and then likewise I think the players people are looking to bring in, your Kane, your Sons, your Bales, I either have them, Rafina, we know Bamford is now out. I don't think you're going to be able to target the players that will bring you the biggest upside beyond, say, luck, like you mentioned earlier, that you would be able to get if you went for a 33 or this weird future double game week that's in stadiums that we don't know. So personally, I will probably use my two free transfers to navigate this week. And then whatever happens, I would have one free transfer next week anyway. And then I'm going to start setting up for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I mean, as we've said, I think the average is going to be, as you said earlier, seven players maybe. And if it's low scorer, maybe having that 11 out gives you 22 points versus an average of 14 on appearance alone. So alone, you could probably make a gain on the overall averages in your free hit here. So maybe there is some sort of, you know, race to the bottom sort of thing going on. But as you said, I don't see any particular player or team that heard will ignore due to things like financial constraints or things like that. And if you're going with the likes of, you know, Joe Linton or that guy Welbs or El Ghazi, you're really hoping for a Matt Lowton double game week in Brazario performance, aren't you? You're hoping to get lucky Pharrell slash Daft Punk rest in peace style um so it might, might be better i think from the outside in um using that in 33 or as alan says you know using it later on if a double game emerges or, or that villa everton one still to be confirmed or failing that maybe even in game week 38 when all 
bets are off and you're just trying to get the best team possible to finish as high as you possibly can. I mean, Nick, anything to add here? I think if you've got like four to five men, you know, I still think it's probably a good idea to use it this week just to kind of fill out your squads and, and, and give you a little bit of an advantage. But, you know, in 33, there's only sort of four teams blanking. So it's going to be a lot easier to, to navigate that week. But of course, you get to play with some more interesting fixtures if you use it then. So you, you might be able to triple up, for instance, on the likes of Liverpool against Newcastle at home or the likes of Leicester against Crystal Palace at home and, and really go for some sort of upside chasing in, in that particular week, perhaps, you know, even sort of bringing in some of those characters that we've fought yeah, with in all the season, like Trent and Robertson um, for that particular week or Vardy captain, things like that. So, you know, that's that's the other option. Or, of course, this super finale week, whatever the hell happens there, we don't know, might be another option there. I've still got my triple captain, so I might save it for that week. <laughs> that would probably happens. be a really nice one for triple captain. I think for 33, I mean, depends again on your team, but I've got, I will probably have three City and three Spurs. So that's six players out already. I'm going to need to do a lot of mixing around to fix that. And also I probably want those players back for the following week. So for me, that seems like just the best use of my personal free hit. When looking at the weeks that have got left, you know, where's my biggest opportunity to make a biggest difference between my lowest possible score, and my highest possible score. I think as you alluded to there, Tom, this week, those are going to be quite close. You know, how much are you going to overperform the average? Are you, mm. Is it worth just taking this one on the chin and looking ahead to the future? Yeah, no, taking a hit. And uh, we see that a lot when you kind of overvalue the blank. Um, and it, it, I think it might be, it might be weird to do it. Interesting what you said, though, actually. I know we haven't got a question on it, but I think that's an interesting kind of uh, digression here. You said you're going to have free city. Oh, really? I mean, I'm I'm looking at divesting. I'm selling Cancelo. I mean, if Son wasn't injured, I would be seriously considering moving out Gundogan for Rafinha this week. Um, and just having Diaz for the rest of the season and just kind of leaving it like that. I think it's rotation central. I mean, we did speak about it a little bit earlier, didn't we, before we came on air? And I think you know, the likes of Mares, as Nick and I said on the pod last week, is going to be one who might be interesting if he's not trusted in the Champions League and can obviously, you know, has that kind of fantastic points per game record over the last couple of seasons, especially is very, very explosive. Um I mean, are you going to be really with free Man City players, Seb? Is it kind of is that kind of a strategy that you're looking to pursue? Just because obviously they're very good and they can smash anybody. It's hard. I, for I will. I will definitely have De Bruyne and Cancelo. I'm definitely a bit of a fan of a De Bruyne, so it can take a bit much for me to move him on. But Cancelo, I think, still offers enough there for him to be rotated, even if it was one in three. And we've seen him do better than that in the past. And so that leaves the third spot, which is currently Gundogan. A lot of people are looking to move him out. We know his stats have dropped off a bit. I'm happy to get that a bit more time because I have Rafina, the player you mentioned there that you could swap for. I have players elsewhere that I'm happy with. And I kind of sneakily maybe want to still give Sterling a go. I know he's missed some big chances recently, but hey, he's getting those big chances. I know he was rested for one week, but every City player can be rested. But if I could nail a Sterling end of the season, what do you reckon? Eight games, eight goals, nine goals, something like that. That yeah. could be the difference between my 200k and 100k. Not saying I'm going to do it, but I maybe want that option. And even if I only had five between City and Spurs, that's still five players I'm going to want for the rest of the season, probably. And the free hit in 33 saves me that. Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of like the the value of having that free hit in 33. Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, speaking of a team who have a blank, um, but are looking interesting, um, Leicester, 
So as we mentioned earlier on, uh, there are 40,000 people who have decided that Ikenacho is worth buying in now. Despite the fact he doesn't have a game, despite the fact that he's got Man City in game week 30. Um, but Goop's FPL asks if Leicester now warrant a look after the blank after that stonking 5-0 victory over Sheffield United, plus the likes of Madison and maybe Barnes returning. Nick, what do you reckon here? The Foxes? Uh, well. Uh, I quite liked um, Ian Hatcho's uh, very heartwarming interview. It's worth checking that out. If oh, you it's it already. so it's heartbreaking. It, 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 it really yeah, was. Yeah, it's just is very very nice. Maybe the, um, a few managers t- uh, brought him in just because of that. But I mean, yeah, with Leicester, I, I don't know at the moment. They've obviously got that uh, Manchester City um, home game in in thirty, which is a very challenging fixture. So I think it's probably a watch and wait for me. Uh, for now, uh, but then you know, likes of Jamie Vardy potentially can come back in, especially when you look at some of the later fixtures. You know, so after that, it's West Ham, where uh, West Brom at home, and then Crystal Palace at home after that as well. So, you know, that's a little run. So, maybe Jamie Vardy time to take a punt on someone like him. He's, he's not been in his sort of best goal scoring form, um, this season or the last you know 20 or so game weeks. But you know, picked up a couple of assists at least tonight. And when when likes of Barnes, likes of Madison come back in, yeah, for my always target Leicester. Yeah, I mean, it was Sheffield United. Let's just let's just say I think that we are in Operation Sheffield United Ville at the moment. Uh, but Nacho and Vardy actually looked a very good pairing, um, and they've done that consistently over the last few weeks, and it worked well with the wing back system. Uh, which as a sidebar here, wow, you're very unlucky if you're a Pereira owner. I mean, there are so many people who bought him in because oh, Seb's put his hand up. I think we're going to speak to him in a second. Uh, but there were a litany of early subs this week, weren't there? And him, Bale, Son, Saka, Burn, Bamford and Bertie Traore, which scarred outcomes all over the shop. I mean, I felt for those taking a punt on the, uh, Pereira, especially like you, Seb. And also your fellow Scoutcast regular, Karim Tizer, a good friend of mine, both had him in and didn't do very well in terms of owning him. I mean, Leicester actually... We've got Man City in 30, so not that great, but 31 to 35, West Ham, West Brom, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Newcastle. And the three games you want to be at home are at home, West Brom, Crystal Palace and Newcastle. And New- uh, Nacho at 5.6, of course. I mean, those people have sat up and take notice and a few people have bought probably without realising he's got a blank. But he's actually second for non-pen XG over the last six game weeks. Um so he could be one that if you are going to take a punt for the next couple, you know, the likes of... Uh, that's why Banfield would have been perfect if he was fit because you could own him for Fulham and Sheffield United and move him on. Uh, Vardy as well, as Nick said, um, also worth looking at. He's uh, top for XA um, over the last six and sit for XG over the last six game weeks too. Um, I mean, Seb, what do you reckon with uh, with Leicester? Are there any players that you're going to be looking at or are you going to be looking actually at removing in terms of Ricardo? I'm sure you'll be close to a raise transfer there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that's been unfortunate as much as uh, as much as anything else. You mentioned those fixtures coming up, the West Brom, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Newcastle. That sounds a lot like the fixtures I bought Ricardo in for and uh, didn't get any points. So I think he <laughs> probably will be a transfer out for me this week just because with the flag, with the blank, with the two tougher fixtures afterwards, it's a pretty easy way to get a 39 defender, say Veltman, for example, because I've so well been sold on here, and uh, maybe bench then Veltman going forward. But I kind of would like a Leicester player back for that run. Maybe are we waiting on Barnes or Madison to see if they're around? Because otherwise I think our options are a little more limited. Pereira out on the right wing or right mid, right wing back sometimes, hasn't even put up the stats I would hope from him. Although when Brighton came on for him, he got an assist, which is slightly frustrating. 
So I wonder if I did go back to Leicester, I'd maybe be tempted to look at their attack rather than the defence in Pereira. Yeah, I think Iconacho, if he can keep it up, is obviously the one. I think that throughout the time he was at Man City as well, he always blipped on the radar as having that ridiculous XGI per game sort of thing going on. And it looks like he and Vardy, I mean, to the eye, actually, I mean, the stats are one thing, but when you're watching them, they look very awkward. But like when there is that sort of moment of interaction, it does work very, very well. So it could be one of those where it does work together. The final question this week actually is on strategy, um, one of those sort of longer-term ones. Um, and um, no, Nick, Nick's just written the late season run for Perez. Leave it, Nick. It's never going to happen. He's, you're, that, that, so think, it, <laughs> just, just context. A, few, a couple of seasons ago, Nick wrote a thread on FPL Twitter, which got him about a thousand followers, where he said, Jose Perez is the man to own um, for the upcoming season. And of course, he was an absolute shower of poo. Um, and Nick's been trying to live it down ever since, much like Neil Murray's been trying to live down the Ricardo Pereira thing ever since. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the next question um, before Nick can reply. And it's about the colour of money. Um, so Andrew Helmsetter wrote in to ask, what do we do with all the money? Uh, so he's now got loads in the bank after selling off the lights of Salah, wise man last week. And he's wondering, you know, does money even matter anymore? at this part stage of the season. I mean, Seb, you're shaking your head. Do you think it's just all over when it comes to price? I think, I mean, I'm someone who in the past has definitely played the build transfer value game, especially in the first half of the season. But that's to give me opportunity as much as anything. We so often fall into that trap of that player's expensive, I must own them. We probably saw them when, was it De Bruyne was injured, Gundogan was looking like an option, but some people, I think even myself, would have gone for Son or others, mm. just because we associate, you know, a high price tag with, therefore they must bring high points returns which traditionally is true, of course, that's why you get a high price tag. But especially this late in the season, it doesn't matter anymore. We've got more information. Prices were set a long, long time ago. I've got 3.3 in the bank myself. If I want Fernandez or Salah back, who I don't either, own either of them, I probably could. But I'm going to go for the player I think is going to get me the most points, regardless of price at this moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're heading into a hinterland part of the season where money no longer matters. Lots of reasons for this, as Seb's already actually intimated, but ones I can think of as well include Liverpool defence, RIP. There's no need for a 7 million plus defender, which is a 2 to 3 million pound saving. Gundogan, cheap mids as well, being around the likes of Rafinha. Uh, Son, now looking like a sale, a new sort of entry into this. And Bruno and Salah, a lot of people have owned them for a long time. Like Bruno, for example, I've owned since it was 9.5, so I don't need to buy him back now and let people be sold a couple weeks ago at uh, 10.x. I think we should really start to decouple our ideas on how good the player is from price and instead of focus on value on Nick's favourite topic, primarily through the lens of you know, player performance and fixtures. Also, you know, a lot of players of high ownership will be high priced, but there's an argument that that's now a bit of a legacy thing. We've spoken a little bit in the past about price quality heuristic. We've done a couple of uh, pods on that this season where, you know, you look at the price and think because he is that price, as Seb mentioned earlier, he is therefore worth the money. And now I think we need to turn away from that a little bit. So after I do my moves this week, that is moving Cancelo onto Veltman, moving Son onto Rafinha and moving Diane onto somebody else. I'm going to have a lot in my bank. I'm going to have over 6 million in my bank and I have no problem with it. Have a bath in it. You don't have to spend it now anymore. The added benefit as well is that if a big hitter, you know, the likes of Vardy, Werner, etc., comes to the fore in the business end of the season, you can jump on them pretty quickly. Luxury benches as well may become a thing. So we've spoken about the cheaper players, like Veltman, the likes of, you know, midfield, Rafinha, but players like Dunk, Trossard, 
Odegaard. These are players that you can buy for the blank game week and bench them, which is it would have been unthinkable in the past. But now cash isn't so tight. You can do what you wish. I think overall what we've seen is a defenestration of reputation. Reputation's thrown out the window. If money's no longer a factor, perhaps it's about spotting the best players in the data and to the eye, which are looking like they're going to smash things as an FO asset and not use price anymore as a guide for what quality actually is. Just going to pick up your point there, Tom, on we may have accumulated more expensive benches over this period, both because we have more money and because people have bench boosted or looked at rotation and ended up with those expensive players on their benches. I know in a traditional season, we'll often go like accumulating transfer value early on. We'll go cheap bench, get all the money in the 11. But right now with this combination of maybe, you know, the coronavirus fixture schedule nonsense is over a bit. But with us having a lot of money and maybe having expensive benches, don't look to rush out of that and don't worry about benching players that get points or are expensive. I think you mentioned a few weeks ago about loss aversion and whatnot. While it feels worse to have, like I've done a lot of times, bench you know the wrong goalkeeper or something like that and miss out on points, it is still better to have them on your bench than not own them at all because you do have that option there. They're a good cover going forward. At least you've identified a good player. So I wouldn't run away from an expensive bench just because, because it gives you that option, which really can be useful in the future, even if it feels like it's not. Nick, what do you reckon here? Certainly at this stage of the season, is you know money ends up becoming no object. It means that you can keep players like Salo, even if he's blank six game weeks in a row. If you've got the money, then you can, you can keep him in there or go down with that ship, whatever. But it also means you can um, play around as well with some of those sort of premium defenders, a little bit of some gambles here and there. You know, players perhaps a little bit of a rotation risk. I, you know, I mentioned Marcus Alonso, for instance, on the last pod, uh, didn't start, but um, that might have been expected based on how um, Tuchel set up um, in recent weeks. So he costs a cool 6.5 million, but he's been playing in the weeks where they've got an easy fixture. So could be a really interesting punt uh, for that uh, Chelsea game when they play West Brom at home and if not you, you've got your your um, Trossards or not Trossards sorry you've got your Veltmans or someone else who can come off the bench if you've got a, a strong squad anyway so you know with that extra money you can you have a little bit more flexibility perhaps to take a few risks on a few more expensive punts and that sort of thing so yeah that's that's all I have to say about that We'll move on now to transfers and captains. So, yeah, I guess, as I said earlier, I'm probably going to be doing Son to, to bail for my move and um, probably going to sell John Stones as well um, just because of all the Manchester City blanks and a little bit of a threat there in terms of whether he's starting or not. Um, in terms of the um, captain, is, I think I said that it's going to be Harry Kane. Um, what about yourself, Seb? I think we've probably covered what I'm looking at largely through this show. I've probably got to lose Bamford if he's injured. I probably need Kane. I've got two free transfers. So it's going to be a striker to Kane and then probably Pereira down just about to afford that. I think I've been sold Veltman well enough during that sh- during this show. So oh, no. it'll probably be that. And it just depends on whether Bamford's fit on whether it's Bamford or DCL. So that makes that move. And then, yeah, Captain Kane, if I've got him right. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Wow. Okay. I'm going to feel really bad if Velton does nothing. Actually, no, 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 no. You're in charge of your own team. I was looking, obviously, at selling Salah for Aubameyang before we came into this game week. That was that looked pretty damn obvious. Uh, but I would move him on to Jota at normal times. But now I just, with Son being injured, I think that that's probably the one to just to move on, really. And I'm now staring at the face of from game week 30 to 38. Either if I get a free transfer, moving him to Jota or just leaving Salah in my team, which is 
preposterous because he's so expensive. But if money doesn't matter, then it might be he might just stay there. But on to next week. I think that Cancelo to Veltman, woo, Veltman Twitter, um, and Son to Rafinha. Those two look nailed in. But the thing is, I, I did say at the start, I was looking for something, someone to move Diane onto. And frankly, guys, I didn't hear anything that captivated me. I think it's just because forwards have been so crap we've spoken about this last few weeks. So I'm wondering now if it's, if it's even worth taking the hit on him to move him to somebody else. I just don't know. I think, as, as, I've, as I've said a few times, I'm just beholden to luck if I do that. But equally, it's an extra player that others wouldn't have. And Diane's been so rubbish. So maybe I might move him out for you know, the likes of Madger or you know Welbeck. Because Welbeck's got 29 against Newcastle and 33 against Sheffield United. And I'm happy to bench him elsewhere. Yeah, maybe, it's, maybe I'm going to be sat with Danny Welbeck in my team. Wow. Wow, things have really reached in a deer, haven't they, for me in my FPL career? Maybe that was actually starting the podcast. But anyway, um, and I'm going to be captaining Kane probably as a default at this point, unless over the next few days I manage to convince myself to go elsewhere, make a terrible mistake, and watch you all ascend even further whilst I am here in the mud. That's probably it, isn't it, Nick? That's a wrap. We were Who Got the Assist. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. Uh, make sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, there's a pleasure to be joined by Seb today. You can find him on at Seb Vassal at Twitter. Oh, thank you so very much for having me. And uh, Tom has written here, hated it, worst hour of my life. Give me Joe and Karam any day. But it's the best Not podcast. Not meant to read the autocue. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best, best podcast I've done in two weeks. So I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, <laughs> if I sound all sensible and intelligent, that's because uh, Tom has edited it kindly. So I've I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks so much, Seb. And um, uh, hopefully we'll have you on again in the future. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday for a very quick post blank pod before we disappear off in the sunset for a break. In the meantime, I hope to assist you on this normal pod ahead of the blank game week. Good luck next weekend with everything. And yeah, have a good week. Speak to you very soon. Goodbye. Thank you so much for having See me. See you later. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.